Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's going to take the next few minutes to share some great words of hope, insight, humor, and relevance. In today's lost and searching world, that's something everyone desperately needs to hear. Speaking of that, we'd love to keep this conversation going with you anytime through our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, there's so many ways to connect with us from there that you really need to check it out for yourself, richardellistalks.com. But right now, let's go ahead and get things off and running with today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The message today is entitled, All You Can Eat. Let's go first to the book of Mark. And we're going to skip to a couple of different verses, a couple of different passages, and tie this thing all together hopefully in just a minute. But there's some two stories that are very similar, and sometimes people read them and think, well, it's the same story, just two different places. But there's two different stories where kind of the same thing happens, pretty close to the same thing. But in Mark chapter 6, beginning with verse 30, we're going to read from there, but just to give you a little background. Jesus had sent the 12 out two by two a few weeks or so, days at least, before and they had gone out and he had given them basically this authority. He had sent them out. Uh, well, let's read over in chapter 6, verse 10. He said to them, In whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you nor hear you when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And he had given them authority to, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to, I mean, just do amazing, miraculous things. It was kind of their test run. He's still on the planet, sends them out, they do it. So they had been out there and had these amazing experiences, and they came back. And when they came back, after going through all that, in verse 30, it says, Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. This is what we went and did. You sent us and we did this. And you went us out and you taught us these things. And we went out and this is what we taught. And he said to them, well, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you, this is one of the biggest challenges for me. And I'm guessing for anybody in this room. And there are some people who say, well, you should never stop. You know, you ought to work. It's a Puritan work ethic. You ought to just go, 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 go. There's people are going to hell. You should never stop. Night and day, 24-7, never stop. You better stop. And something clicked off in me that ties to verse 31 specifically. Thursday afternoon, I don't know, I didn't snap, but every breaker in my body was about to go. And they started popping. And I drove home. We had planned to try to get out of town for a day anyway. And I told Rebecca, I said, I don't, you know, get everybody in the car, everything in the car. I said, I don't care if I drive out of town for an hour and stop and drive back. I have got to get out of town. I've got to get away. I've got to stop. You know, there's so many things you just can only think about so much. You get in your job and somebody say, well, if, if I don't live that way or do that, they're going to fire me. You know what? Maybe you need to get fired. It's better than dying because at some point your systems will shut down. It's a change of scenery. It's a change of pace. It's a slowing down. It's being with your family. If you've got a family, you got to stop. And Jesus had this stuff built into his ministry and you read it. You got to watch for this because it looks like night and day. There's no stopping. But repeatedly in the scriptures, if nothing else, Jesus is going up into a mountain to pray. And if he's not doing that, he's taking the disciples and stealing away into a deserted place. And he had thousands of people tracking him, stalking him, basically. And they'd watch him. He'd get in a boat and cross a river. They'd get in boats and track him or walk all the way around a lake just to be there when he got there. He couldn't get away from people. 
So he says to the disciples, he knows what he's been through, what they've been through. He says, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and let's rest a while. Let's stop. It's biblical. You're working, but there are times to rest. Verse 31. Again, he keeps going. For there were many coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. Now, I've told some of you this story. I remember in Rwanda when they had the war break out there million refugees, doctors sent in, people being hacked to death, people dying of disease, hunger. They sent relief doctors in. And these doctors would go in and literally just people dropping dead, trying to see as many as they could. But these doctors would be in these tents, waiting on, waiting on people. And then a Range Rover, Land Rover, whatever it was, would come in, pick up these doctors and drive them away. And they would take them miles and miles away out in the middle of nowhere where there was a little another tent city with satellite TV, food, a bed, a bath. And you think, what are these doctors doing? Why are they not back there saving people? Because if they don't get out of there and rest, they will collapse and then nobody gets helped. There has to be a break. And things were so intense with Jesus and with his disciples, it says here, they had to get away because they did not even have time to stop and eat. That's how many people, that's what kind of press there was around them. Verse 32. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. Verse 33. But the multitude saw them departing. And many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. So the only way for Jesus and his disciples to get away was basically to go on these mini cruises. But ultimately they'd have to stop and there were these people. Verse 34, And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Now guys, ultimately... And I mentioned this about leaving town Thursday, but you know what? Thursday we left. Friday night we drove back in late. And I don't know how far out of town I am when this happens. But I come up over one of those hills and I see the lights of downtown and my heart starts to race. And I am so excited to be home because I know this town is filled with people. And they are like sheep that have no shepherd. They have nowhere to go. They have nobody to turn to. They have nobody that gives a rats anything about them. And they don't know what they're going to do. And a lot of times the worst enemy that God has are his own people that create blockades, religious blockades of what you wear, where you work, what you look like, what you smell like, all this junk we erect and say, stay away. You can't even get to the church, much less to God. And to somehow be in a city and burrow a hole through all that and make a secret passageway almost and say, look, there's a way in. You can get to him. He's still here. He still cares. My heart races to get back in this town for some reason, no matter what the challenges are. There's a time to rest, but there's a time to go back to work. And Jesus sees these people and he says, we got to go back at him. So he began to teach them many things in verse 34. Verse 35, when the day was now far spent, long into the night maybe, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. We're in trouble. We've stayed after five and we're in trouble. Listen to what the disciples are saying to Jesus. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. They can't eat here, Jesus. It's late. You've been doing this all day. We've run out of time. you got to send these people away because we can't feed them. But he comes right back at him and says, you give them something to eat. Now, I want you to listen close here because we are his disciples. 
And what happens is you're surrounded in a city with thousands of people, millions of people in our case, and in the world, literally billions of people. And you look at them and you say to Jesus, look, we barely have enough food for us. We're barely maintaining. Send them away. Send them somewhere else. We can't take care of them. And he looks at you and at me. And what does he say? You feed them. Now, here's the problem with what Jesus said to them. Number one, it's ludicrous what he said to them because they couldn't as far as they knew. And they were looking at their own resources and their own abilities. They knew they couldn't feed them. Something's going to happen that's miraculous. And you'll see here in a minute what that is. So he says, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? Now, I don't know where the 200 denarii came from, but that's about two thirds of a man in that day's yearly salary. But even 200 denarii would not buy enough bread for 5,000. You'll see here in a minute, men who they counted the men in the account here. So that means women and children. It would have been even more than that. So he said, well, if we spent everything we have, basically, that wouldn't be enough for them to eat. But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. What do you got? Now, I'm going to ask you that question. What do you got? You say, well, I don't have enough for all of this. And that's not what Jesus said. He says, what do you got? Because, you see, if you look at what you've got, who you are, you say, well, God, there's people smarter than me. Let me tell you something. There are preachers a lot smarter than me. In fact, I try to hire people around me who are a lot smarter than me and a lot more gifted in any area that I am. I'm not going down. I'm going up. You say, well, there are people that are more articulate. There are people that are more gifted. There are people that are more intellectual. There are all these things more. You say, you know what? That's not your problem. What do you got? What do you got that you're willing to give him and say, you know what, God, I don't know about them, but this is what we got. So he says, go see how many loaves do you have? Go and see. Go take inventory. Find everything you can find. And when they had found out, they said five loaves, five and two fishes. We got five and two fishes. We came up, you asked, you know, bread, but we even found a couple of fish. All right, keep reading with me. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. And verse 40 says, so they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. Now, guys, I want you to look close at verse 40. There is something about mobilizing here 5,000 people where Jesus gives them specific instructions. He says, okay, give me what you got. And organize these people, have them sit down in the grass in groups of hundreds and in groups of fifties, because that was the way he was going to break this thing down and feed all these people without chaos. And he would take 12 men, give them the bread, give them the fish, multiply it, and they'd go out and serve small groups of people, hundred a group and in fifties, and the whole job would get done. Verse 41. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven. He blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them. You read through this and you don't see it. You've got five loaves of bread and two fish. And you got 12 guys standing around watching this. And all these hungry people who we decided we're not going to send home. He's saying, everybody sit down on the grass. Groups of 50, groups of 100. Everybody sit down. We're going to eat. And they don't see any catering trucks. They see Jesus up there with 12 guys telling them to all sit down. I'm going to tell you what, this takes faith because the disciples know there is no backup coming from anywhere. We got Jesus and a sack lunch and he better come through or we're going to look like idiots out here organizing all these people to eat and no food. So Jesus holds up a loaf of bread and breaks it. Wow. Now we got 10 pieces of bread somewhere in the blessing in the breaking and in the passing out. This bread starts to multiply. Now, I want you to listen close. 
Because this, you're it. We are it. You say, well, we don't have anything. We got enough if Jesus, if it's in his hands, it's enough to take the planet. If it's just in our hands, it ain't going to go anywhere. So you show up and you say, God, I don't have much, but what I got, I'm going to give to you. And I'm going to stand here and watch. And however you want to use me to distribute what I've found and given to you, and you multiplied it, sign me up. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Somewhere, literally, in the handing off, where they found baskets, I don't know where they found them because they had baskets left over filled with stuff. Somewhere in the handoff, bread and fish start to multiply. Just somebody reach in, pull bread out, they keep handing it out, and it never ran out. And it was all you can eat until everybody was done. Look at verse 42. So they all ate and were filled. And what I think is cool about this is it's cooked bread and it's fish. I don't think it's sushi. No indication of that here. I think it's fish. The kid brought it probably cooked. So it's cooked fish. So Jesus not only multiplies these two fish, he multiplies his cooked fish. He multiplies this fish and it's cooked. And they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. So there's 12 baskets full of fish left and bread left. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. Now if you want to go back and read this, you can read it and go over to chapter 8. Now I'm telling you, it's a few pages later here, a page or two later. Scripturally, I don't know if it's a day or how long exactly this is. But literally, pretty quick thereafter, verse 1 of chapter 8. In those days, the multitude became very great. And having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, They're like, oh, here we go again. He starts saying the same thing. I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. Now, the multitude may have figured this out and brought some food. We got to pack a lunch. But after three days of hanging with him, teaching day and night, healing, all this stuff going on, he says, they're here three days. They got nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint. They'll pass out on the way home. For some of them have come from a long way away from afar. Then his disciples answered him, how can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? How are we going to do this? They forgot. Now I'm going to show you here in the end, but I'm going to throw it in here now. If you stop for 30 seconds and just came up with the things that God has done for you in the last 20 years, 10 years, three weeks. You could make a list so long you wouldn't have time to finish it. We forget. You are breathing. That's an indicator. Start with that one. You're alive. That's God's doing. And you start adding the things up. He's blessed you. You've got health. You've got breath. You've got a job. If you don't have a job, you know you've been there before maybe and he's provided one. You can't go wrong with God. He's going to take care of you. And the way you know that is you've seen it too many times before. You say, well, he's taking a long time this time. I'm tired of waiting on him. Where are you going to go? You're going to pass out trying to get home to your place. Stay with him and wait on him. The disciples, again, verse 4, how can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? He asked them, how many loaves do you have? Let's try it again. What you got? And they said, and pretty fast it looks like seven. I think somebody caught on. He's going to ask how much we got. Might as well find out what we got. We got seven loaves. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And there's something about sitting down on the ground that's very important with this. I don't know what it is. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and he gave thanks, broke them and gave them to his disciples to set them before them. And they set them before the multitude. Now, this is the second time these disciples have had this bread passed to them and seen it multiply. 
So they're watching something the same way I'm watching something happen that doesn't make any sense. They sit down. He starts passing out this bread, blesses it. Verse 7, look at this. They also had a few small fish. Somebody comes up, hey, we found fish. See what you can do with these. And having blessed them, and this is a key word, he says, Father, take what we got. Bless us that. And boom, the fish start multiplying. He set them also before them. So they ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. Now those who had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away, immediately got into the boat with his disciples, and came to the region of Dalmanatha. Gets in the boat at the end, escapes for a little bit, and goes across the lake. They find him again. Now you've seen 5,000 people plus fed. You've seen 4,000 people a few days later plus fed. You've seen how it's happened and what God can do. And we are ignorant, almost stupid sheep because we forget and we ditch on him because he may have done something in the past, but he didn't come through today fast enough. So we go, well, I'm out of here. God's abandoned me. He's left me hanging and I can't trust him. He won't take care of me. Where have you been your whole life? He's been with you. Verse 11, then the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven, testing him. But he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. And he left them and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side, getting away from them. Now look at verse 14. And I really, I mean, if you miss the humor in the Bible, you're missing it. Verse 14 is nuts. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. All this stuff is happening. The Pharisees and all this mess, all these questions, all their nervous anxiety. Oh my gosh, the Pharisees are here again asking questions. They get in the boat, they get out in the boat, and they had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. They got one loaf of bread, and they're getting freaked out. Oh my gosh, we forgot to pack food. We are out here in the boat. We have nothing to eat. Verse 15, then he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now he's trying to teach them something, but their guilty conscience, they're so freaked out about not having any bread in the boat. They think, look at verse 16, and they reasoned among themselves saying, gosh, he's mad because we don't have any bread. But Jesus being aware of that, he knew what he was saying to them. But now he knows what they're thinking that he's saying to them and what it's all about. He's reading their hearts and minds. He's aware of it. He said to them, why do you reason because you have no bread? What are you doing? Why are you reasoning thinking that it's, I said this because you have no bread? Do you not perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? It's in other words, don't you get it? What is it going to take for you to get it? What is it going to take for you to realize this deal is all you can eat? Not just physically, but spiritually. I'm not holding back on you. You got me with you. And now as Christians, we've got him in us. You can't go hungry. You can't go wrong. You cannot be left alone. You say, but I've only got this much left. It doesn't matter if you give that much to him. He can multiply it anyway. What is it going to take? He says to them, why do you reason? Because you have no bread. Do you not perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Can't you see what has happened around you? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? And look what he goes through. When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said to him, 12. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. They remembered all of a sudden. 
So he said to them, how is it you do not understand? Now, guys, I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're going through. But the question is, don't you remember? But I can't see it. This is all I got. How am I going to make it? How is he going to do this? I have this passion, this vision to take the planet or to take my neighborhood or reach my family. But I don't have the resources. Take inventories. What do you got? Go and see. Look around and say, God, well, I can do this. I can teach. I can help with kids. I can set up a sound system. I, I mean, I can do something, God, whatever it is. He said, okay, give me that. And then boom, he takes your nothing, seemingly to you nothing, and multiplies it. But we get a few days down the road. We get a few weeks or months down the road, and we've seen it happen over and over again. And then we get in another situation, and we fall completely apart. And God says, you have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you understand? Don't you remember? Remember, it's all you can eat. I'm not going to run out. You're not going to run out. I got a plan. I'm with you. Now, all they had in the boat was what? One loaf. If I can find this real quick, I want you to turn over to John chapter 6. And I won't go back. It's just a different perspective from John's perspective about what happened and how he fed the 5,000. So this is something that he said after he fed the 5,000. Look at verse 22. On the following day, when the people were standing on the other side of the sea, saw that there was no other boat there except the one which his disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias, near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered and said, most assuredly, listen to what Jesus says to him. Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, in other words, the miracle, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. You don't want miracles. You don't want me. You want the blessing. You want free food. You like the all you can eat meal. You're looking for physical food. Verse 27, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, well, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. You want to do what God wants you to do, then believe in Jesus whom God sent. Therefore they said to him, well, what sign will you perform then? that we may see it and believe you. What work will you do? You know, the world has gotten nutty even now. People want to go to some service and see some miraculous thing happen. Somebody wow the crowd. And that's all they want. They don't want God. They want people that can wow them. Something happened. And Jesus says, it's not about the wow stuff. It's about me. It's about Jesus. It's about the Father. Go after that. And if you see a sign, maybe that points to him. But if it doesn't get away from it anyway, it's not about the signs and the wonders and the miracles. It's about Jesus. And that's who ought to wow you. Before Richard comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, richardellistalks.com. You'll find today's talk right there in the talks page along with all of Richard's messages. You can even forward them to a friend so they can hear them too. You'll also find the prayer wall to add your prayer requests, a link to connect with us, the contribute page for you to be able to give to this ministry, a radio station finder, all our social media links, and much more. So check it out, richardellistalks.com. And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk. 
Verse 31, our fathers ate the man in the desert, and is it written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to him, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. It's all you can eat. And when you get him, you will never hunger and you will never thirst. You say, well, I don't believe it. I say, how do you know until you try it? Give Jesus a taste. And if you keep reading in John chapter 6, he talks about unless you eat of my body and drink of my blood, the whole Passover, the whole communion, Lord's Supper thing that we celebrate, it's about having Jesus' life, his blood, his flesh, him in you. It's Christ in you. That's your only hope of any glory. But when you get him in you and let him live through you guys, you will see things multiply and happen like you never could have dreamed if you'll just give him what you've got and let him do something with it. And when he gets done, nobody will misunderstand that it's all him and it's not you. It's just your availability and your ability to give him your life. You've been listening to Richard Ellis Talks. We really appreciate that you've spent this time with us, but we want to keep the conversation going with you. A couple of ways you can connect with us is by giving us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD. That's 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is through our website, richardellistalks.com. You can email us, sign up to get the daily talks sent to your phone each day, write on the prayer wall where we can pray for you, or even stay in touch through our Facebook page at Talk with Richard. We love bringing you the program every day, but it means even more to us when you let us know how the program has helped you. So call 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. Finally, if you enjoy the program, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us. richardellistalks.com. So until next time, have a great day and thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.